Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. A bit hot, but otherwise, I'm I'm very good. And it you? is a bit hot. Yeah, it's I'm, a bit. I'm fine. I'm in Brighton, which is very nice. Oh, lovely. Can, yeah. Can you smell the sea air? I can. I I think I can. Yes, and it's it's just we're just doing nothing and relaxing, so oh, that's, that's very nice. That sounds wonderful. It's what's needed. But how about you? Because you had you were speaking at a conference, weren't you? So how did that go? Yeah, so I went to the Archaeology of Fashion Film conference yesterday, and um, it it was great. It was such a such a good conference. So it's at it's, St Martin's. Yeah, it was at St Martin's. So it's an AHRC funded project, um, and it's run by Caroline Evans and Marketa Olirova, and um, your former student is involved, Lucy Moise Ferreira. Ah. And she's then, the best. yeah, she's really, really nice. And then someone called Yusi Parika, who is uh, is at the University of Southampton and is a media archaeology specialist. Oh, I don't even really know what that means. Yeah, well, I I will try and explain it yes, to you. Yes, you can explain <laughs> yes. to me. Um, so it was part of the the whole project, and there will there will be more things. So. It um, started off with with Caroline and and Yussi talking a bit about what a fashion film is and their sort of current definition, which might change during the course of the project. Um, And it's something about being a sort of short film that is made to promote fashion. I think in their initial definition or current definition, it says it's non-narrative, but that has will have to change because we saw some narrative films yesterday, definitely. That's Um, interesting. Yeah, and then the sort of media, and they, I think they're taking a media archaeology approach. And from what I can gather, um, I've read quite a bit about it, but I think I'm still not totally on top of it. But there's sort of some things I can say, which sort of one thing, for instance, is that they they often compare old things and new things and see what information that might give you. So in terms of film, I think what was inspiring it is the, you know, the very early film that's called Cinema of Attractions, these sort of short films that were shown at fairgrounds. um, And apparently from what I now know is at some point they were seen as inferior to then the later development of the sort of longer narrative film. And someone then said, no, that's just wrong. It's just a different kind of thing. It's not a sort of linear development from the cinema of attractions Uh to then the later film. So I think that's sort of one of the key things that they're sort of trying to pick up on. And then another thing is what I really liked at the beginning, he, he talked about that they're also interested in banal snippets of film. Uh-huh. And in my talk, in a way, that's what I was using. I was looking at a banal snippet of film. So that was really nice that he sort of said that. So yeah. um, it's partly about unearthing things that people haven't really looked at. I see. So and that's the archaeology. That's the archaeology. And it's partly also this non-linearity. And also, I think, very much focus on interdisciplinarity. I think that's uh-huh. the, the other thing. So, um, and then the first, um, the keynote lecture was someone called Wanda Strauven, who's uh, um, in Fra- at the University in Frankfurt, and her, I mean, her talk was in- amazing. Mm. Um, it was called Text, Texture, Textile, um, a media, oh, wow. yeah, a media archaeological mapping of fashion and film. And first of all, she had, I think she had the best PowerPoint I've ever seen. It was just, it was <laughs> wow. just so beautifully presented. It was just, it was a white background with sometimes she had two or three little snippets of film on it. And, and what she did, and there's absolutely no way I can do it justice, but she looked at 
connections a lot of the time between our um, technologies. So, and a lot seems to have happened in 1895. So I think they're using a component from the sewing machine to make the first film, either projector or camera. No, um, really? Yeah, That's it's amazing. And then she was also at some point looking at the Jacquard loom and she said, talked about something like a meaningful hole because, you know, the Jacquard parts, yeah, yeah. they have all these holes in them. And that, of course, is sort of a precursor of the binary code for computing. Yes. So she connected that then to the digital camera. At some point, she was also talking about screens that in the very early days, they now apparently film screens have tiny little holes to let sound through. But in the oh. early days, very early days, there were calico and calico also, is, you know, not t totally dense. It has oh. sort of holes before they started to apply the silver, which then made it a silver screen. So she made all these sort of connections also between espionage at some point that came in. Marvellous. How did that come in? Oh, yeah. It's again to do with the meaningful holes because she was looking <laughs> at, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic concept. I love it. Um, she was talking about, there was a woman in Belgium in the 40s uh, during the war and she was knitting and she was looking out of her window and she saw German, you know, when, when Belgium was occupied by the Germans. Yes. And she saw trains going past and every time she saw a train go past, she would drop a stitch. So her knitting was some sort of time plan, uh, timetable. Oh my God. I know, it's incredible for the for the trains. Um, I think that's how the espionage came in. So oh, in, my goodness. So in oh the end, goodness. so it was textile, texture, text, but then she also said she could have also talked about skin, screen, surface, and sewing yes. machine. It, it was just so rich, and it was a wonderful mix of being theoretical and abstract, but also a lot of empirical sort of wonderful yeah. facts. And and in the end, there was this sort of map that combined all these all these, all these these things. So it was absolutely fantastic, and what I also sounds what, amazing. Yeah, and what I what I loved at the end, someone said not at the sort of at the end of the day there was a sort of bigger discussion, and someone said, you know, you you talked about eighteen ninety five, and when I think about eighteen ninety five, when I think about eighteen ninety five, I think of Freud, um, and you didn't uh. mention Freud at all, and she said, well, I didn't have to, you know, it's in in our unconscious. And I thought, I thought that was such good a, Yeah, that was really, really good answer. So I won't go through the whole day in that much detail because we'll be here forever. But no, then, but tell me about your paper. Well, let me tell you first about... So Lucy, then she had curated a screening of fashion films. Oh, wow. From what period? So it was because part of this media archaeology thing is to look at old and new. And it's interesting oh. in a way that the early fashion films were quite short and the ones now are quite short. So they're... So they were sort of mixed up. So it was early ones and later ones. So there's one I'm sure you've seen. I've, I've certainly haven't seen it before. It's called Parisian Modes in Colour. It's from yes. um, 1926, I think. And I think that's what the name of it is. Anyway, it's this actress and she comes out in Poiré and Récol and... And it's in colour, and it's oh, it's absolutely beautiful. I think I have seen that one. It's amazing. Yeah. Then it was mixed up with a Yves Saint Laurent one. Wow. So it's a, it was a sort of... And then one of these weird fun ones, you know, when they stand on turntables. Oh, yes. They're, yes. So, they're so bizarre. So one of the early they ones. They really are. And then there was a fantastic student film, which had different three women 
um, not models, different body shapes, uh, standing in a room, which looked like where you would normally maybe clean a car. And they were just had this spray aimed at them. And they were just standing there trying to hold their pose while this water spray was sort of aimed at them. Uh, that sounds like that was a challenge on um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, you know? really? Yeah. That That's interesting. See, I didn't know that. So people probably, some other people probably got that. But I, I didn't get that. But I thought... I love that. I really, really like that. So that was interesting. And then then there was a panel discussion of pe- two people, filmmakers, Stella Scott and Isaac Locke, um, who make fashion films. And Isaac, they showed the two two of them. And Isaac Locke's was hilarious because it makes fun of the whole fashion film thing. Um, because there was also someone called Raven Smith, who was for eight years the commissioner for Nowness. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that was really interesting. So, and there's sort of nowness in between the client and the filmmaker, and the the film from Isaac Locke was sort of making fun about that. Which, yeah, I'll send you the link. It's hilarious. And Stella Scotts was something she did for Gucci, which is also really interesting. And what was interesting there, they were sort of talking about. Uh, it was quite. Um, someone later mentioned it. it called it a sort of moral discussion. It was about, um, you know, old the old thing that fashion always has, that it's so close to commerce and that it's not art. And, you know, so and and, and it's not that they were saying that, but Stella Scott, for no, instance, no. that that she 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 likes doing fashion because she has a lot of freedom. And if she does other yeah. ads and corporate videos, she doesn't get freedom. Mm. Um, it's but, so I find it so boring that we still I have know. to talk about is it art? Why? Why do you want it to be art? Yeah. What What difference will it make in the world? And oh no, oh, let's not even. I get know, into and also, about that. also this idea that art has nothing to do with commerce, which is, of course, as we know, is well, totally that's totally ludicrous. Um, I know that it's just it's so it just makes zero sense, and it's just really tedious. Yeah. So they, I mean, they weren't saying that, as I said, no, that they, no, I they were just, they said they were, you know, that was still coming up when they say to people what they do, that people say, yes. oh, um, you know, they see it as inferior. Um, and then, yeah, after the break, I then gave my lecture, which is, is where the, all my looking at, at society magazines yeah. uh, came in. So I saw this Passe film um, on the Passe website and it, it said it was, um, a, a model showing the latest furs and I looked at it and I thought that's that's not what it is these look <sighs> these look like high-end you know they look like upper-class ladies um, right. if they weren't this when was it from from first world war it's uh-huh. undated oh, of course, yeah. it's undated and they don't know they didn't know what it was so I thought I might find some of these ladies and I did and um, Excellent. I found out it was filmed in Dorchester House, it's uh, this massive, massive, I mean, unbelievably big house near Park Lane. One of the women is Winston Churchill's mother. Um, they're uh, all these... God, you're such a good detective. Well, it, thank you. And um, <laughs> and I just thought it was interesting why, you know, they, I, I tried to figure out why they thought it was a fashion film. And uh, there's sort of some things in it that... that several times all these women line up like in a chorus line and they walk towards the camera and oh. I think that's part of it and um and also that's how they often appear in in these society magazines they're also often snapped in the park 
um, walking towards the camera. And when they do that in France, they often just have one woman, but in England, they usually have a few. And so, so I was sort of looking, looking at that. And also it's, the, the film is taken on a very windy day. So that's really interesting in terms of how the clothes react. That's, oh, of course. It's so nice. I Again, I'll send you a link. It's such a, it's such a nice film. I, I watched it so often now. Um, and then there was someone called Nick Reese Roberts, who's writing a book about fashion film. And that, that was really interesting. He was talking, he was sort of giving an overview about how in the press people think it's films like Clueless or The Devil Wear Prada yeah. or stuff like that. But it actually mainly what people in the sort of academia or, some, or people in fashion mean are these sort of promotional films. Yeah. And there was quite a bit of discussion throughout the day about how the fashion houses had quite a delayed adoption. You know, I mean, if you think about it, it's quite weird how late they were actually starting yes. to use film and obviously it has to do with digital. But even then they waited quite a long time when, when digital was sort of possible. Yeah. But I think that's more to do with fashion houses not getting the head round going from exclusivity to total accessibility and yeah and i and i mean i guess th there were like i don't know like rifat osbeck i feel in like 1990 or something did his show as a video didn't he and Helmut lang did one quite early mm. so i think it was maybe linked to oh we'll we'll stop home fashion shows and we'll have films but then it didn't really take off because you need enough people to do that to do it for it to happen but I suppose Nick Knight is a real pioneer. Yeah, of he? course, yeah. But it also, I mean, even if you have video, you still, at that point, you would have had to send someone the videotape. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, people... It was more think, laborious. Yeah, so so there was quite a bit of talk about about that. And then at the end, there was a panel um, with Chris Brewer chaired, which was about with the, the people who run the project. It yeah, it was it was a sort of crash course really in in fashion film, but also in a little bit in the media archaeology. Although I wouldn't say I yeah the, the hang of that one. So yes, it was. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Mm, and yeah. your paper sounds so interesting. Oh, thank you. Um, and it was just so nice also to 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 see to see the films. Um, yes, that's mm, lovely. Mm. They've found so many amazing things. I I met with Lucy recently, and she was telling me about some of the films they've they've found and sort of researching in Paris and it sounds wonderful yeah no it sounds like the ideal the ideal thing to do <laughs> in a way another thing that I was sort of interesting I was wondering what you thought about it um oh. in the in the industry panel discussion it came up that now people they switch off very quickly so if you don't excite them very early on in the film yeah they're just um, you know, people keep make, making the Instagram swipe moving, swipe yeah. movement, and it it was presented almost like we're more sophisticated now, and we need more something more to stimulate us. And I thought I don't necessarily think that means it's more sophisticated. No, I don't. I don't know that it's a value thing, if you know what I mean. I think it's a difference, but I don't know that it's better or worse. I think it's just. I mean, you can see it like. It's not just the influence of digital. If you look at like the way video games have developed, that's altered the length of time people think a visual stimulus should last, and that's affected like mainstream fiction film. Um, and I think it, I think it's sort of various things like that. And also, like, if you look at children's cartoons, mm. even of like the early aughts, 
they're much quicker cuts than if you watch ones from earlier mm. and I think it I think it's a lot of things going towards speed but I don't know that speed is more or less in terms of your sophistication I think it's just a different way of consuming visual images don't you yeah no that's what I thought it was a similar case to the cinema of attraction not being an early mm. form um, of of narrative cinema in a way I thought that was a similar similar thing I, I I mean I sometimes notice it in myself that when I watch I it takes me a while to get back into the watch a sl what what now seems like a slow film a film from the 60s yes. say or something so it but is, I think it's also it's kind of it is true but it's also a generalization because People kind of think that all people under 30 need, you know, 30 yeah. second cuts or something. And that's not actually true. Yeah. Mm. Some do and some don't. But it's that that's the way visual culture has gone. And, you know, there'll probably be a movement for having really long cuts again as an antidote to that. That's probably already happening. And I'm just... No, that oh. again, that was people were saying in particular with Instagram now allowing you know, one hour yes. clips. Yeah, that's true, that's true. So I think it's, yeah, I think things, you know, different things can just be different. I don't think they have to have a value to them, really. Mm. But it's it's very interesting. It's really interesting, because I um, showed, I can't remember if I told you, I showed my students Rope, you know, the Hitchcock film where he did really long takes. I'm not sure um, I've ever seen that. Oh, you have to see it. Mm. It's really interesting in terms of the costume because we really talked a lot about the menswear in it. Um, but that we were all kind of fascinated by because of the long shots, because, you you know, you're aware that that's one of the things that the film is most famous for. Um, and certainly I've never found a problem showing students films of various different types, but that's because I'm showing students who are very visually aware so I, I and also that you watch different things in different ways yeah. don't you like if you sit down and you've chosen a film and you're going to watch it that's different from if you're just scrolling through your Instagram feed and a fashion film pops up or if yeah. you're looking at YouTube and mm. a fashion film I mean because I have the shortest attention span <laughs> going as you know like unless it's something really fabulous I don't watch for like two seconds and I'm out so um, I, I completely understand. But I don't think that's because I'm sophisticated. I think it's well, probably the opposite. <laughs> well, you know, I am in some ways. But I'm also very unsophisticated and just want to be amused and entertained continuously. Yeah, so do I. I Maybe also I... I <laughs> that's why we're such good friends. Yes. Maybe I, <laughs> I misrepresented also the way exactly what they said. So they maybe... And for me, it, they were talking about quick cuts but they they weren't yeah. actually mentioned so maybe it's something else yeah that needs to arrest you and I guess that could be something slow so is it a kind of Bart's thing of it's like we need punctum 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 instead of just one punctum in a photograph mm, possibly mm. possibly there's some more meaningful holes for you girl yes yeah a punctum <laughs> a punctum fantastic yeah. rather amazing you could just pulled that be? out of the hat <laughs> it's that it's that need for instant entertainment. Yeah, I just needed some theory in there yeah. immediately. Yeah. 
but yeah it, it was yeah so anyway it so sounds great no it's it such a brilliant project yeah no it it is so i i hope they'll do another um yeah i'll, I'll yeah, hope, and I hope they publish events. some of it yeah no that would be i think that's the plan but it's, it's not yeah. clear yet whether it's gonna happen but what about what about you what... well i'm i'm consuming visuals at the other end of the spectrum or maybe they're next to each other who knows because i've been binge watching queer eye oh i've heard about it it. i've heard about i think you'd really like it bitches i think you should watch it i didn't see the original ones i think i maybe saw one or two years ago when i was in new york um probably in a severely jet-lagged state so i don't really remember so i can't really give you you know what the update is particularly but i find it really interesting because it's like five gay men mm-hmm. and that it this, this the first two seasons are all in atlanta so it's in a very kind of conservative state and like they work on different aspects so there's like one who does sort of interiors and updates their living space there's one who does food mainly chopping up avocados but he does do other things um there's one who does it's called like culture but it seems also sort of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. kind of stuff one who does clothes and then one who does hair and grooming mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because i think actually one of the differences probably is that they can be really open about their lives and that a couple of them are married, one of them's got children, that that sort of the idea of, of what a gay man is has changed mm. and a greater understanding of diversity mm. within gayness and a more positive attitude. So they're really interesting in them in and of themselves. And then there's like one person and I think in the original ones it was always a straight man but in this it's it's not like they did one woman and there was a trans man so it's it's not as sort of rigid on that Mm. but I think like it's it's very entertaining and fun but also it's very emotional and I think so what do they do well what they do is somebody um nominates one of their friends or family members and then they sort of show up and they look at this person's lifestyle and it seems like in most cases i mean the thing that i found really fascinating which i think you would find fascinating too is how deeply your kind of outward presentation is a symptom of your inner emotional state and also your living environment because there were a few men where you know they had no haircut to speak of you know it's just like hair growing on the head and like out of their face and you know, like one had recently lost a lot of weight, but was still like he clearly wasn't comfortable enough in his new body mm. to buy clothes that fitted him. So he was kind of burying himself. And then like one who was kind of quite smart, but then his house was an absolute pit, you know, just like stuff everywhere and nothing put on shelves. And it's really interesting how clothing can kind of express something is up with the person mm. you know that, that that there's something where they're not feeling happy in themselves yeah. and in their body and so their clothing shows that and it's really quite kind of touching how because the the, the fab five as they're called the five men because they're gay it's almost like it gives them permission to be in tune with their feelings their looks their clothes etc but then they can in turn give permission to the person they're working with mm. to take care of themselves yeah. and and it's really 
like some of them are really emotional like you cry because it's mm-hmm. so like they like the person is so transformed and feels so much better in themselves for having talked to them for having been around them um some of it is very funny i mean the man who does grooming jonathan is hilarious like, he's really brilliant and they're really interesting themselves how they dress so like he he's very tall but he like he'll wear like a dress like a, you know like a t-shirt dress kind of dress a cool dress over like jeans and he'll wear like sees through tops so he tops and things so he's a bit more kind of out there and and i would say more like a new york style mm-hmm. and that's also interesting because they're in Atlanta. I don't know Atlanta, so I cannot judge Atlanta. <laughs> but it's like it's quite different to come from New York or LA, obviously. And in some ways, you feel like what they're doing is bringing a metropolitan idea of fashion, or it's not even necessarily fashion, but a way of dressing to people living in a more a smaller rural mm. co- community or a smaller town. Um, the man who does the um, fashion is British. And he seems to like putting people in patterned shirts yeah. and um, like desert boots and a blazer to smarten it up. And he does this thing, which I know you'll like, called a French tuck, yeah. which is where you just tuck the front of your shirt in your trousers. Wow. I didn't and know then, that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you all about it and show you when, when we next meet yeah. in person. Um, but he's really funny because like, he's very blunt because like, then the five, the five watch the person on film um you know that it's always that like the kind of finale is that i don't know they're having a part a party for all their family oh, yeah, yeah. that they'd failed and now they haven't and like tan who's the one who does fashion he'll say oh no he styled it so badly oh i hate the way he's on the court and it's like you think that's quite rude but it's quite refreshing in a way that mm. he's still like don't ruin what i did for you and and i think it's interesting as well in these programs these makeover programs that they always do hair and grooming or hair and makeup last because that is the most transformative yeah. thing I, really mm, i used to watch something called i think it was called how to look good naked and it was with oh, right. gok one i think oh it, yes I, and um i haven't seen that and that it's it's you know it was ages ago a very long time ago but they they it was always the hair and what they also often did was were the teeth that also yeah. made a big difference quite often yeah. Mm. yeah no i can imagine i mean it's it's really interesting and i think it's also it's almost like some some of the people that they're working with have kind of lost t- touch with their own bodies i know that sounds a bit abstract and weird but it's as though because their their physicality is being focused on, they can. This sounds very. I realize I'm being very sort of therapified, but I think it is quite therapy influenced. The program. I don't know if the original one was, um, but it's like they get back in touch with their bodies. Mm. And yeah, the Jonathan, the grooming man, he always, you know, like gets them nice grooming products and that kind of thing and it's quite funny the the facial hair they're like how much facial hair is too much facial hair and kind of grooming that and just the idea that you're being touched you know I think is quite powerful Uh, as well yes I I went to this um talk once or conference or whatever London College of Fashion you know they they also have a sort of cosmetic assigned department and there was a there was a whole panel discussion uh, I can't remember it properly but they were talking about how putting on makeup or, or cream 
is is how good that is for you yes how can how that can be therapeutic. i think it so is i mm. think it so is because it i think yeah it's like connecting yourself to your outer surface mm. and and it's kind of a ritual and it's calming or it's you know like i think it's really calming at the end of the day like cleaning your face and putting mm. whatever lotions on but also as a kind of ritual to get you ready for the day yeah. and and yeah just and and also having hairdressers or mani pedis or whatever having people touching you mm. it's it's just making you remember your body which i think sometimes people forget yeah. and i think it's really again really interesting the idea of queerness in relation to to the body and the way that you know that the five men represent different notions of queerness themselves and so they're showing that diversity but also their own relationship to their body and to style and then as i say that 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 gives permission mm. for the person that they're, they're with but also it's very interesting in terms of masculinity of you know some men being in complete crisis with their sense of self mm. and and feeling they can't even go into a shop without feeling you yeah. know really afraid you know, they. Are, I think I mentioned before. There's another program I sometimes watch. Well, there are two. There's actually one also. I think it's also set in Atlanta. They're about plastic surgery. Oh, um, I haven't seen that. I'm too squeamish about seeing the actual surgery to watch that. Although it's fascinating. Yeah, they don't show. They both of them don't show that much of. Um, right. They show the operation, but they show more the faces of the people doing the operation. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but again, it's it's incredible how what that does to people yeah um, but I wonder while you were talking I was sort of wondering why why there are that so many of these these shows now um well I think it I think I mean partly I think it's a way of doing a fashion show because I think there still aren't that many like the kind of fashion shows we would want to watch if you know what I mean mm. um but I think it's also it's like it's like a kind of Cinderella story, isn't it? It's like a fairy tale that anyone can be transformed mm. and there's like hope and potential in all of us. Because the, the weird thing is, in a way, I've just looked up when How to Look Good Naked was on. It was in 2006, so a long time ago. Oh, right. Um, but you could, you know, you could look at it in a negative way um, in that you're supposed to conform to some sort of beauty idea. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah. But how to look good naked wasn't like that at all. You know, he would never tell anyone to slim. Um, uh. You know, he would he would just um, and it wasn't also like you know, fuller woman look good in a wrap dress kind of thing, which yes. you got for a while. Um, it was really more make uh, yeah. It's really hard to describe. It's not conforming to a particular ideal. It was just more feeling them good in themselves, making yes. people feel good yeah. in themselves. Somehow. I mean, I think that's very much what Queer Eye does. And again, really interesting in terms of masculinity. Yeah. Although there are kind of patterns of ways in which particularly the, the dress is used. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, I think they are, it was the same. With Gok Wan. It was the same yeah. with Gok Wan. There were certain things that happened. But I think happened. that's inevitable yeah. that any stylist has a particular style. And although mm. it will it will change from person to person, it has a sort of signature Mm. to what, it but I think sorry go on how does it work when they do do that with a woman um well, she was she actually looked amazing it was this woman who was a cancer survivor she was very involved in her 
church she was absolutely lovely like she was so kind of cheerful and welcoming to all of them and her son was gay and she hadn't been very kind to him when he'd come out to her so it was also like her son coming home and them being reunited Mm. I mean she was just such an amazing character and such a kind of giving person but they got her such a great look um they got her this black dress this kind of quite clingy black dress because she was she was a woman probably in her 50s I I don't know her exact age and kind Mm. of bigger um and they but it had like an asymmetrical so on the bodice so that one sleeve was leather so it was very on one on the one hand it was very very conservative little black dress but then it had a kind of zing to it that really played to her character and her how funny she was and how she was quite cheeky Mm. um and they just took her hair down a little bit like they just shaped it more nice you know and shaped it nicely and took the color down a bit and she just looked amazing and I think it was it's almost like they relate to the warmth of the person they're with and it was quite interesting it was very interesting actually um the trans man who just had an operation to remove his breasts and Mm. it was kind of really like it was such a sort of important moment in his transition and in his life of him kind of finally feeling like his body belonged to him and reflected who he was Mm. but it was also really interesting because tan the one who who does the fashion was really honest about not really understanding what trans is and not really understanding everything a trans person has to go through Mm. to become themselves so it was very kind of emotional but also um the man who they were um helping was again a really lovely person and they were you know they were very funny they were they were trying to get him to stop dressing like a student and make him more grown up and that was another thing that you could really see with several of the men that they'd got stuck in student wear and didn't really know how like were almost sort of afraid to become a grown-up man Mm. in terms of their dress and it's like how do you dress so you retain a sense of you know greater freedom perhaps or being more expressive but that you're actually showing you're a grown-up responsible person Mm. and how that works so I think I I want you to watch yeah I will can I give you that as homework okay okay I definitely no I wanted to watch it for a while I've sort of heard snippets about it but not you Mm. know didn't really understand what it was and yeah, I definitely do that. So thank you for that introduction. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. And I don't know what I'll watch. I'll watch something for you too. Yeah, yeah. Well, watch that funny film by, um, what What did I say? Oh, yes, Isaac please. Love. Please yeah, send I'll, I'll send you the and link. I'll and that. Yeah, you can, yeah. Okay, great. Fabulous. Fabulous. All right, I'll speak to you soon. Then. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.